Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back. I just want to say thank you again for coming and uh, checking out the Facebook page, for visiting the website. I see the traffic's gone up. It's been amazing just to see that you guys have supported it in such a way that it uh, keeps growing, keeps expanding. I'm really excited this week to bring you uh, Nate Evans. He's been a buddy of mine for, for quite a while, and I think he has a really neat perspective just on how to handle children and kids and family and those kinds of things. So that's one of the things that we hit on in here. So without uh, further ado, Nate Evans. Nate, thanks for being here with us today. I appreciate you coming and, and taking the time out of your life and, and sitting down to, to talk with us for a little while. I, if you would, just for a quick minute, just give us a a little bit about who you are, uh, what you do, stuff like that. All right. Um, again, thank you for uh, asking me here. I really appreciate it. I uh, give a chance to talk about what God's doing in my life and, my, and our family's life. Uh, I am a teacher. I've been a teacher since 2001 and uh, in the Des Moines schools. I teach uh, middle school language arts in Des Moines on the east side. But I uh, didn't grow up here in Iowa. Lived here in Iowa since about 95, 96. Um, my wife and I got married in 2000. Rachel and I have four kids, everything from a sophomore in high school down to a third grade boy. We have three girls and a boy. And then um, I grew up in Arkansas. Uh, grew up with a Southern Baptist grandfather. Uh, he's a Southern Baptist preacher. And on the other side of the family, I had a Pentecostal grandfather who was a, a dairy farmer. So I grew up with a real gamut of religion and, and, and the take and philosophy, doctrine, and, and, but uh, good, good, solid upbringing as a child and with, with parents who let me be who I wanted to be as an adult, um, as a teacher um, and husband, father, uh, get a chance to influence young lives, both at school, at work, every day, and at home, obviously. So. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why I thought that talking with you would kind of be a neat experience. You know, you work with kids during the day, you have kids at home, I know in church you've been very outspoken sometimes about youth and kids and programs, and, and I think it's fantastic. And, you know, I really respect the way that, that you have approached most things, and that's why I thought it would be really neat to talk about. Um, I think that we, you know, pretty much everybody who has kids, you know, we all want to figure out a way to to do better than what we do. Not, you know, not saying that, you know, you not holding you up to some high no, standard. I, don't, for, don't, you know. don't, don't put me on a pedestal. But yeah, yeah but I think that you have a, a really neat outlook and experience um, on on different ways and different techniques, especially being a teacher. Right. You get to see different parenting styles and the way that kids interact and, and these different things. And I was kind of hoping you could shed some light on, you know, what we can do sometimes to... to have our kids be a little bit better sometimes than, than you know, not better, I, but... You I know. wish I had a, yeah, if I had yeah. that secret formula, you know, like my dad said, if I had the answer to that, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, between between being a teacher and a dad of four, and then uh, I've worked with youth group uh, at Prairie Ridge here in Ankeny since 05. I took about a year off here and there for, yeah, about 11, 12 years of that. And then um, I've also worked with an Awana program with younger kids for about five years. 
started a, a children's ministry at my home church back in Arkansas when I was in my early 20s. So a lot of experience, um, a lot of failures in, in the process too. But as I, I tell my students, as I tell my, my own children and remind myself and my wife too, we don't learn from our successes. If everything was easy, no one would learn anything. Yeah. Um, and that's something I, I, I religiously, no pun intended, uh, say in class is it's our failures that teach us. And so it's okay if you didn't do well this time. Let's fix it next time. Yeah. It's okay if we had a bad day. I had a kid today, just horrible day, horrible day for him. He had to go, behavior coach, everything, just bad day all the way around. And the last thing I said to him before I saw him today was, we will have a better day tomorrow. What, tomorrow is a new day. And just remembering that and reminding myself of that, that at the end of the day, no matter how good or bad or ugly the day was, or that class period was, is like, get them again tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like you, you lose that ball game and, hey, there's, there's usually another game coming up. You know, you lose the championship game, that stinks and it hurts. But it's a, a lesson learned, and for most most times you get another chance. So, you know, when I look back at a lot of the specific things that happened in my life, you know, whether it's education or friendships or business, um, failure is really what's taught me a lot. You know, I think one of the, you know, I I started my business maybe 10, 11 years ago. I started working for myself. I took a year off when my second kid was born. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that my wife really pulled a lot of the weight when I started my business because I failed over and over again. Mm -hmm. It took me a, a, probably a solid two to three years before I was really creating an income that would That's be, sustain itself, be, yeah. be better than me going and working for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. When I took a break and, and tried to go help a, a guy start uh, a plumbing company within his existing company and it didn't really work out and I wasn't happy I didn't like the way they were doing business and so I came home and, and my wife was very understanding now we have two kids and she doesn't work anymore you know right. she works part-time she you know and I said I'm, I'm gonna quit my job you know and I, and I know that's probably nerve-wracking it was for me because I knew how long it took me through those failures but I learned from all those failures. And I remember she said, well, how long is it going to take for you to get your feet back under you again if you do this? Right. And I, I pulled an arbitrary number out of, out of the sky, and I don't think I've ever even told her that, but I told her, three months. In three months, I'll be back to the place that I was. And I had no clue, and I was scared out of my mind. And mm -hmm. by God's grace, um, you know, it, it happened way faster than that. I mean, I made a handful of phone calls, and... In two weeks, I was as busy as I could be. You know, I mean, I had to get back to where I had, you know, employees and right. different things like that again. But, you know, I, I was extremely fortunate. And because of those hard lessons and those failures that I learned before, I was you knew, able to. You knew what to do. I knew how to around. do it. I knew I knew those paths to take. Yeah, you know, you know and and that's been something. Um, it's interesting just to see which which path and trail conversations can go and, and you know, plan ahead for things. It's our failures as parents, it's our failures as individuals that um, have shaped who we are more than anything else. Um, we've screwed up hard and we've messed up hard along the line with four kids. I mean, we mess up a lot, but we get a lot of stuff right too. And it's really just where we focus um, our time and our energy 
is is what we will will notice when we look back. Because um, if we look back, I'm really messed up with my oldest kid here and there. I've really messed up with my 13 year old. I've really messed up with my 11 year old. I've really messed up with my eight year old. But we've done a lot of things right too. Yeah. Um, and I think about that as a teacher. I have pulled things out of my sleeve at the last minute that have gone far better than anything I've, I've spent weeks planning. But I've also spent weeks planning and had things go way better than stuff I put. I mean, it's just a matter of perspective yeah. on anything. As, as a parent and, and as a Christian, I had somebody um, pay me a huge compliment yesterday that um, they had spent some time with some very non-Christian folks um, that are also in education and uh, came back and said how much they appreciated my approach in my classroom. I don't, I mean, I'm not standing there going, I'm holier than thou, I'm better than you, but I'm definitely taking that approach and, and we, we use the Matthew principle in class as far as resolving conflicts and problems between students, between students and teachers, between teacher and student. Um, we use a, a lot of, um, you know, apologies and forgiveness and things like that without being churchy about it, yeah. but yet have no problems, no qualm with saying, hey man, we did this at this weekend with youth group, or we did this at church, and um, it was so fun. So, and, and just sharing who I am in, in Christ, but also just who I am as a, as a man, as a husband, father, and as an example, a role model to my students. Um, I'm not better than them. Um, I've never claimed to be better than anybody else. Now and then, it, sometimes, you know, you get that thought, like, oh, I'm doing better than so-and-so is doing. And, and I just try really hard not to ever let that happen. But I tell my students, like, you know, if I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, I'd have probably grew, grown up just down the street from you. Um, my mom didn't graduate high school. She walked across the stage. I gave her a blank diploma. Um, my dad did whatever he could to put food on the table um, and got a two-year technical degree. Uh, went into nursing, of all things. Um, he was a, a guy nurse. And growing up, and your dad's a guy nurse, you get a lot of jokes and my harassment. Dad, my dad's a guy nurse, too. Yeah. <laughs> and small world. And um, But, you know, he did it because it was a job that paid better than minimum wage and got, got him a, a, a position that worked his way into a position that could put better food on the table for yeah. his family. Um, and my mom did everything she could and worked in factories all the way up until till she ended up getting injured very badly at a job one night. I remember getting the call my freshman year of high school and she's never worked since then. Um, and she can't. And uh, I mean, she's able to walk around, but um, she has problems with her back all the time. So a very humble upbringings. I wouldn't say we were dirt floor poor. I had some family that, that were, um, but at the same time, we didn't have everything that we wanted. Yeah. Um, learn the value of saving, learn the value of asking um, and never being afraid to ask, but not ask for handouts. And what it means is something really is free or what it means when you really actually have to work for it. Yeah. Um, I know that the humiliation of standing in the government line and getting a big block of cheese and free milk, yeah. um, but, but at the same time... Sometimes you know it's a necessity. Right, and know. at the same time I know the value in that. Yeah. So been there, done that as a child and, and as an adult. We've had a Christmas or two where we had to make a couple phone calls and say, hey, look, we don't have enough money for Christmas. Yeah. And uh, times, times if we've gone, we've ridden the roller coaster uh, of life and some different different changes here and there and 
God has has been interesting how He's provided sometimes, and sometimes we're standing, you know, where are you, and shaking our fist to heaven, and sometimes we just can't believe how many blessings come our way. So. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's there's good times and there's bad times. You know what I mean? And that's oh yeah, that's it. And you know that the, the one thing Ecclesiastes on me there. Exactly, nice. exactly. God is that constant. You know what I mean? And even when we talk about the faults sometimes in our parenting and and I know that I've talked on <laughs> on other shows about you know I always want to be a better parent I fall short oh so much I, I, I always try you know and, and tomorrow is you know that same idea that you had earlier you know tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna try it all over again yeah and I, I sure hope I'm gonna do better I tell know. my own kids um, and I, I tell my students a lot you really haven't failed until you quit yeah when you quit and you refuse to try, that's when I can't help you, and that's where my job as a teacher and as a parent or as a husband, as a human being, that's where it gets really hard. Because when, when you have a child that just refuses to try anymore, it's, it's one thing if they just physically or mentally cannot do something anymore and they need to quit. Um, you know, your kid, kid breaks their leg and they can't play in softball that summer. It sucks for them. Yeah, and and it hurts, and it's painful lesson to learn, but it's not their fault. Yeah. It's not anyone's fault. There's nothing you can hang over their head about it. It's just this isn't going to work. But at the same time, you have a kid that just says, "You know what? I'm not going to do this. I don't care what you're going to do to me. I, I I don't want to try. I don't want to do this." That is a mentality that is so hard to get over. And and as dealing with adults that are that way, and we have we have a whole bunch of people that have that mentality. Is like, why should I even bother? You know, I know for me at least. You know, even the bad decisions that I've made, I've learned a lot from them. And I, I don't, I mean, some of them I probably should regret more than I do. But, you know, I, I've learned something and, and they've developed me into a, a person that I am today. Um, but the things that I do regret the most are the things that I quit because they were mentally hard. Right. You know, the physical stuff, you know what? Yeah, I can't, you know, physically do something. You want me to climb a 30-story rope? I'm going to try and I'm gonna go until I physically can't do it anymore. But you know what? I know that I gave it my best. Right. And when something, you know, situations that have broken me mentally and I've quit, those are the ones that I have the hardest times coming to terms with. Yeah, I, I look back, I mean, whether it was high school physics, which I'm like, I really don't wanna try this hard. Yeah. I'm in the top 10 in my class. I'll still be in the top 10 and I don't have to take this class. And looking back, I'm like, that was such a cop-out quitter attitude that those are the things that I'm like, I I feel like a hypocrite telling my kid not to quit something. But at the same time, I was wrong to do that. And it doesn't make it right as a parent for me to cop out and say, oh, well, you know, I quit. Yeah. That's like saying, well, you know, I drank or I, I, I which I, in high school, I, I wasn't a party animal, but but had I been, or had I hung out with people that were doing things they shouldn't be doing, or drugs, or whatever, and to say, well, I, I did that when I was younger, so how could I, how could I tell like, my own kid? Not, no, you tell them not to do it. Yeah. And, and that's really hard, to, uh, that's a hard argument. Now that my oldest is getting old enough to start asking questions about, did you go out with your friends, or did you do these things? For the most part, I'm able to tell her no, but even if I did, I'm still not going to say, but I'll let you do it because I did it. Yeah. Because that's a horrible example to set. Yeah. And well, that, that makes me a hypocrite? Fine, it makes me a hypocrite. But my daughter's not going to go do that. Yeah. My son's not going to go do that. 
as much as I can control that. You know, that's one of the reasons why I got into youth ministry, you know, and, and I talked to these kids and I really lived really open with them. Hey, here's the mistakes that I made. Right. I'm telling you so that you don't have to make them mm -hmm. because, you know what, if I wouldn't have been set back, you know, I, I'm happy with my life now. If I could have got there 10 years earlier by not making these mistakes, who knows what I could be accomplishing. Oh, yeah. You know, right. and, and if I can, you know, see, you know, if I can stop you from those pitfalls, I'm going to. I want to help. Right. You know, and, and I know that you've worked with, with youth, too, and it's one of the hardest things. You know, I, I worked with mainly in high school for so long, but when those kids, you know, you put so much time and energy into them, and then they go off to college, and they start drinking, and they fail out of school, or they, you know, they're running with this wrong crowd, mm -hmm. and you know the stuff that they're doing, and you know it's not that person that you spent the last four years with, you know, and you just kind of wonder, you know, what happened? Well, and that, that reality that life set in, I mean, you know, growing up in high school, I'd listen to the preacher say this and listen to the preacher say that, listen to the youth minister say this. You, and then you find yourself in situations you're like, this is my life. I can make this choice. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm grown up. I'm a grown up <laughs> and, now. And you just fail miserably. Yeah. But yeah, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting concept and, and it's an interesting thought to have. But at the same time, we, we do pour ourselves into... Our children, I pour myself into to the youth kids, into the into different ones. But the rewards, I mean, that, that's what they say about teaching, you know, it's such an honorable profession. And I think sometimes we forget that as a society. But my reward is to watch the kids grow. Yeah. And, and I, I tell them all the time that the best gift you can ever give me as a teacher isn't, you know, a, a nice Christmas present. It's that you will graduate high school. If you go on to college, that's good for you. I'm very proud of you. But just finish high school. Just just get to that point, because it's somewhere around thirty percent of my students won't. That's crazy. And and it's a huge number, and it's hard to believe living in Ankeny with the affluence that we have here and the impact that money has in this town, and you've got you know ninety ninety two percent, not only graduating but ninety ninety two percent proficiency on reading and math, and it's a different world where I work and. It's nothing against those families. It's nothing against the students or the teachers because I work with some of the hardest working people in, in education, making huge strides. And our classes made huge strides over the last few years, doing things that other people can not physically or mentally handle or do. Yeah. But at the same time, where we start and where we finish, it's fun to watch happen. And uh, I'm very proud of, of who I work with and, and the students and the staff and the teachers and the administrators. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. It's rough. It's crazy. Sometimes downright scary. Um, but at the same time, it's still fun. Yeah. And it's very, very rewarding. Well, and I think it's neat, too, that you can bring some of your faith into your work, too, and, and not so vocal about it, but maybe just in your actions and the way that you are handling the conflicts. And, you know, it's... I've always been a firm believer that the best way that you can minister is by living your life the way you're supposed to. Right. You know, working with um, sixth and seventh graders over the last few years um, at at church, uh, and then with eight, nine before. But in six, seven, I I actually my role now is is actually to lead an entire group. It's not just to be a, a sponsor with with four or five kids. I've got 150 kids to take care of. Um, 
and and co-lead those those that group and then I have a portion of them that I'm in charge of but uh, we we rotate speakers but when I get a chance to talk I'm talking to 156 and seventh graders who are just on the edge of their seat what are we gonna learn about today um, I stand at school and I talk to with over a hundred students every single day and they're on the edge of their seats like what are we gonna do what's it gonna make us do what can we and how can I make this relevant and so I think about that every single day at school. I think that every Wednesday night. How do I make this relevant? And one of the things we focus on with youth group is how, how can you be a better friend? How can you be a better human being? Yeah. Um, and I do the same thing in class. We do more about character than we do about English. We do more about who you are as a person, who I am as your teacher, than we do about reading and writing. Yeah. In, for me, I think you, know, you talk about the character in it's the 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 parenting style of me and my wife is is different you know and i she is she's a little more by the rules and and those <laughs> kinds of things um and we we have our oldest is in have you seen uh there's that american ninja warrior television yeah. show oh Hudson well, they, it. Yeah. they have a little camp for guys oh, here fine. in town and i think the top age for it is 6 and he decided he wanted to do that. So we signed him up and, you know, and, and he's a little small. I mean, he's average in size, but age-wise, he's on the younger side. And, uh, I mean, he, you know, I just tell him, do your best. That's all I can ask you is to do your best. And we were there and there was an older kid who was um, kind of singling him out and picking on him. And uh, I watched him a handful of times, probably three or four times. He would go over to him and he would yell at the, my son and say, I'm the boss, and then shove him down on the ground. Oh. And, I mean, he's falling onto these other kids. These things are happening. And, you know, the, the teachers generally, in all of the classes that we've gone to, she's very stern for a children's class, which I appreciate. You know, I right. mean, you know, these kids need to start learning the rules. It's not, you know, this isn't a community ed class where you can kind of go and fiddle around in the back. Right. You're going to listen. You're going to follow the rules. And nothing, you know, I mean, I, don't, I assume she didn't see it. So I went around and told my son, I said, you have two choices if this happens again. If he pushes you, I said, you push him back. I said, you, you know, he's bigger than you. You better push him hard. I said, or <laughs> you can go and tell your teacher. You can make that decision. And I left. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, and, and the kid shoves him again. And he gets up, and he looks at him, and he looks at his teacher, and he looks back at that kid, and he just takes a step backwards in line and gets behind somebody else. And, you know, part of me was like, oh, I wish he would have shoved him. Mm-hmm. And then part of me, you know, said, you know, I'm so proud of him that he didn't. You know, we talked to him about tattletaling and, you know, just you don't always run off and, you know, I mean, there's a time and a place to tell, but sometimes you just need to step away. And, you know, I, the more that I think about it, he made the right decision. And that was a character decision that he made. But you're and, not worth me getting in trouble and you're not worth me getting yeah, to, seen as a snitch. Exactly. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay away from you. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's I'm a hard proud. decision for a kid to make, um, especially at that age. It's hard to, for an adult to make. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people that I've worked with in the past that I just wanted to get in their face and tell them that don't ever come around me, don't ever mess with me again. But I didn't, and I kind of cowered. But at the same time, it was the the right choice for me to make because who wants to work in that environment? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't want to work with you either, 
and it, but I don't want to make this worse than it already is. Yeah. So I'm going to do my job. You do your job, and you leave me alone. I'll do my job. Um, it would be interesting how, how the world would be if we all could take that same lesson and just say, this isn't worth it. This is not yeah. a, the hill I want to die on right now. But there are times I tell, um, actually, Hudson, my youngest, um, I've told him in the past, if you have to defend yourself, then defend yourself. Yeah. But know that there's a consequence for that. Yeah. And, that and, and I try to explain that to students, too, because they don't usually get it. The second person in is usually the one that gets in the most trouble yeah. because that's what we see. Yeah. As, as a teacher, when I see a fight, I didn't usually see the first thing. I didn't see the kid bully you. I didn't see the kid push you. Why? Because I had 2,000 other things going on at that very second. But I saw you go after him. Yeah. And we can get to the bottom of that, or our administrator can get to the bottom of that, mom and dad can get to the bottom of that. But I'm just telling you up front, know that going in, when you make that choice, yeah. you're, that be the one you're that probably, probably going to be the one that gets in trouble initially. Yeah. And he had something happen a couple years back at, on the playground, and actually one of his really good friends um, and uh, a couple other boys. And they were playing a game that they had created, and they were going to, to jump Hudson. They were, gonna, they were just going to pick on him and jump on him. And they weren't trying to bully him. It was just some little like tag game that they had come up with. But the way they approached it frightened him to the point where he felt that he was going to have to run or fight. And he made the choice to fight. And he cold-cocked his best friend and put him on the ground. And Hudson's a big kid. Yeah. Not chubby, dude. He's pretty stocky. And he laid the kid out on the playground, first grader, just put him on his butt. And I get this email from the principal. I'm like, hey, I had to meet with your son today. He got in a fight on the playground. Just want to let you know what happened. Got a chance to talk to him. And I totally understand where he's coming from. He panicked, and he swung out and made contact with the kid. And and the the just the respect I had for his principal not to call me and say, come get your kid, he's suspended for a week for fighting. And just, he took the time to find out what happened. Yeah. And I think as parents, and, and obviously in my job, um, you take the time before you make that rash decision, before you go screaming and yelling up the stairways, you just, or, or spank, I, spanking your kids is the to- whatever people are up to doing. Um, We've been there, done that. <laughs> but before I get mad enough to get to that point, um, I need to take the time to find out what really happened. Yeah. Just because the vase is broken doesn't mean the kids did it. Um, we just actually just had an example of that the other day. We have a brand new kitchen table. Beautiful bar stool, bar height, countertop um, height table. And it looks like someone took a fork and carved the word high on this table. I mean, we've had it for a month. It got delivered a month ago. And so at this point it was maybe, we had it maybe two weeks. And I'm looking at this and getting madder by the minute. And so I said something about it. And then everybody noticed it. No one said they did it. No one apologized, which made me even more upset. I'm like, okay, this is a thousand dollars. And somebody has already scratched it and carved high. And, and it's not even spelled very well. I mean, it's, it's spelled right, but it's, it's not, your penmanship sucks. Come on. If you're going to carve you're gonna, my table, you're going to ruin something, let's make it, let's do it right. You know, yeah. put a smiley face in there, good or something. And it's just, and I'm like, come on. And then a few days go by, and Rachel sees um, our, we have two cats and a dog. 
and one of the cats is always on the table. He, he, he climbs, he's always scrounging for food, scavenging for food, and uh, he's got his back claws. And, but when he gets caught, he takes off. Well, our older table, he, he never has carved his feet into. We never noticed that he's done that. Well, the new table has a little softer top to it. And so when he gets caught on the table, he takes off and those back claws come out. And so what we realized was that where it looked like it was saying hi, it was just the direction of his claws scratching from both feet taking off at the same time that it ended up making this mark that ended up looking like somebody had written high. So, so your cat has so horrible penmanship. Our cat cannot write to save his life. <laughs> a stupid thing, doesn't have thumbs. Um, but yeah, he, he was, and it wasn't the only place that there was a scratch on top of the table. And uh, I came home on Saturday afternoon um, during our, our youth retreat. I came home to, to check on a couple of things. And I'm in the house by myself, sat down at the table, and I look across and that same cat, his hair is all over the edge and it, it just it just all, just light bulb went off. And I immediately felt rotten for being upset with my kids um, about something they had nothing. I mean, they all said they didn't do it. And I refused, at the time, refused to take that at face value. I knew somebody was keeping a secret from me and just didn't want to admit it. And I was wrong, I was yeah. way wrong. And it was just the proof was in the pudding. and. Um, and I felt bad and, and to go back and say, I'm, I'm, guys, I'm sorry. Um, and, and being able to say, I'm sorry, is such a humiliating thing as a child, but as an adult, such a valuable thing to have, such, yeah. a, such a good attribute to have. Um, actually just said to that today, I had a girl that I thought for sure was, was going off on me about something and uh, looking right at me when she said it. And I'm like, you need to leave we are not doing this today. I've tolerated this enough. And I was so mad that she would say something so rude. And she's like, I'm not even talking to you. It's just, I'm like, we're not arguing. You need to stop arguing and you need to leave. I'm not, we're not doing this. And then I moved on as soon as possible. And I don't argue with my students in front of other students ever. I try really hard not to ever let that happen. I try to not let my temper show ever in my classroom. And this was just one of those moments where I'm like, this, this is not gonna happen. And I drew the line in the sand. Well, as the rest of the class went on, I figured out, because it wasn't the only time it happened, she wasn't talking to me at all. She was talking to another kid that happened to be within my line of sight. And, um, and she was mad at the other girl. And I thought she was talking to me at first. And so I went back later and I said, were you just talking? And I clarified with her in front of everyone. And she's like, yeah, I'm talking to her. I said, were you talking to her earlier? Yeah. So when I get upset with you, well, yeah. And we, and we got it all cleared up, and in front of 25 other kids, 25 seventh grade kids, I said, I'm a grown man, and I, I want to admit when I'm wrong, and I want to show you that I can do that, and that, that, that that's what a, a person should do. And so I am sorry to you for being upset earlier when you said what you said, because I just knew you were talking to me, and I wasn't gonna tolerate that in my classroom. I said, will you accept my apology? And yeah, I had 25 jaws on the floor because they couldn't believe it. A grown man, a teacher nonetheless, would apologize to a 12, 13-year-old girl. Yeah. And I'm like, this, this is how life should work. And that was a, a big lesson for a lot of them that they'd never seen that before. You know, and that's even, even for what I, you know, in, in business, you know, we go in 
as a contractor, it's, you know, I realize that sometimes it's scary to have a contractor in your house. You know, you never know what it's going to cost or how it's going to turn out or these things. We can tell you, but until it's done, you never really know. And, you know, and you hope that jobs don't have problems, but you know what? Occasionally there are, you know, there's, there's things you didn't see or didn't catch or the customer wanted something different. And, you know, we go back and, and we fix it, you know, and that's what I always tell the customers, you know, I, I'm sorry that there's a problem. I'm sorry that your sink drips or, you know, something happened. Um, you know, we're going to make it right. You know, right. it's not, you know, it's anybody can put this in for you, but it's a matter of how you fix it when it's not right, you know. And, and you know, we I went to a job today. We went back because the, the handle was loose on a, on a kitchen faucet. You know, and the ladies, do I owe you anything? No, you know, yeah. this is this is customer service. You know, if, if I didn't tighten it down as much the first time as I should have and it came loose on you in a month and a half, you know what? It's on me to make it right. One of the best one of the best lessons on apologizing and what it means to mean you're sorry um, came from a uh, I, I got from listening to and reading the book uh, The Last Lecture. Um, and I uh, can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but um, you talk about the three parts to an apology and about, you know, just physically saying that you're sorry um, and then um, letting them know that, you know, what, what you did was wrong and that you know it was wrong and that you want to make it right. And then, and then that, that, big, that big thing is, is that how, how do we move on from here? How do, how do I make this right so that we can move on? Um, and that's what I was trying to do in class today. How do I make this right so that tomorrow is a better day for both of us? How do I move on so that the next 10 minutes are a better day? Um, and I try to teach that with my own kids, too. Look, what you did was wrong. And I don't want you to just throw a big fit or make a big scene or a tantrum like, I'm so sorry, that'll never happen again. Because it probably will happen again. You're human. You're a kid. You're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. But how can we move on from here? How do we make tomorrow, the next hour, whatever it is, how can we make this things better? Um, and if it means that we need to um, pay retribution for it, we need to, to pay someone back, monetary, whatever it is, how do we make this right? And, and how, do we, how do we save face to the point that we can, we can move on? Yeah. And so, you know, you're talking about the difference in, in school and your family. I know that sometimes I find myself more tolerant of youth group kids, of other people's kids, than I do my own. With you being around youth so much, do you see the same thing at times? Or is it kind of even kill for you? Oh no, there's definitely no even kill. I hold my own kids to a much higher standard, sometimes to not even not even fair standard. But I see where I have failed, where my wife and I or individually have failed, our family members um, and different things like that. And, and we want what's best for our children, obviously, for our own children. Um, and that's actually been one of the big eye-openers for me as a youth group leader and especially as a teacher is that if I hold my own kids and my own kids' teachers um, accountable to the level that I do, am I holding myself accountable to that level as well? And it has changed who I am as a teacher because I don't say these kids can't do this, these kids can't do that, so I'm gonna sell them short. And I've, I have caught myself in the past, not that long ago, saying, wow, I, I took the easy road here with this lesson, or I took the easy road with this unit um, this last week, whatever it was, 
instead of saying, no, these kids deserve better, this is what we're gonna do. Um, it's been a real struggle from some students in my classroom because they've never been held to those expectations. Uh, it's another reason why I don't, I don't ask previous teachers how a kid did for them because I don't, I don't really care how they did for them. I wanna yeah. know how they're gonna do for me. I've had that with employees, right? You know, I mean, they didn't excel where they were, but you know, I, one one kid in particular, you know, everybody told me, "Don't hire this guy," you know. But every time I seen him, it was always yes, sir. He mm -hmm. always kept me well informed on you know the maintenance that he was doing in in his job beforehand, and and that's what I wanted. I wanted a guy who could teach, who was polite, and mm -hmm. who had some attention to detail. I can teach you everything else you need to know. Uh, and he turned out thing. to be fantastic. Yep. But everybody told me that that kid wouldn't amount to anything. I, I want my, my four kids to be coachable, yeah. to be teachable. Um, you know, talent goes so far and attitude goes so far. But I would take, I, and, and I used to coach for a living on, on the side as, as a teacher and coach. But after we had so many kids, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, but I wanted it. I wanted kids that were coachable. Didn't matter how good they were. Yeah. The talent I was not worried about. I I wanted to know that they would listen, they would follow directions, and that we could get something done. Yeah. And in my classroom, I don't even say rules anymore. We don't have class rules. We have class expectations. That this is how we do things here. And it's a group mentality. Like when we come in, this is how we come in. This is how you come in and I come in. This is how we do it. And in our family, we have kind of the same approach. We're on the same team here. Uh, we've sat at the table before and, and sent a kid away or two kids away or sent them all away because you're not doing what our family does. Yeah. You're not gonna sit here and tattle at the kitchen table. You're not gonna sit here and argue at the kitchen table because that is not what our family does. Our expectation is this. And um, I do the same thing in my classroom. I do the same thing at youth group a lot. At youth group, I, I wanna make sure that the kids all realize that everyone there is a volunteer. All the adults, all the, the high school interns that are intern sponsors, we're all volunteers. We're not on the payroll. And we're giving our family time, our business time, our money-making time, if, you know, if you've got, got a job, um, to be here with you. And if you can't handle that and accept that and respect that, then you don't need to be here either. Um, and I, I just was telling someone today, when it comes down to, say, 30 kids in a classroom and there's one kid that can't cut it, I... I don't want to sacrifice that kid's education at all. I want to do everything I can to help that kid. But if it comes down for that one hour lesson that I have to decide between 29 and one, I'm gonna take the 29 every time. And I, I love my own children, but if it means that their teacher or coach has to make that same decision, I will support that 100%. Because if, if my child makes those kind of choices and gets themselves in that kind of situation, I will support their teacher or administrator or coach, whatever it is, every time to, to pull that plug or, or send them out, whatever they've got to do to get my child's attention. Yeah. And those are rough phone calls to make. They're even harder phone calls to take as a parent. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. If, if I was this kid's parent right now, what would I want this person on the other end of the line to say to me? 
And then when I have to meet with one of my own children's um, teacher, how do I approach this and not say I can do my job, your job better than I can? Yeah, so you can. And then you know, in in some of the other people I know who are in education, especially K twelve, um, it's always it always kind of amazes me when I hear about conferences and the approach that some parents take. <laughs> we have those this their, week to their you teachers. You know, they're not they're not working with their kids at home. They're not doing these things, and they want to know why their kid isn't, you know, top top in the class and doing these things. Right. Because their kid is probably that one that isn't succeeding and is having a difficult time and needs that extra attention, especially at home. Right. And you know, as a teacher, yeah, you can't. You know, I think far too often, you know, sometimes from the from the non, you know, like for me looking in, I don't see. You know, you hear about, well, they dumb down it to, you know, so that the lowest come denominator, you know, can come up. And But I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're not teaching to that lowest one because... Well, we the, are, but the it's, 29 it's a different need, approach. Yeah, it's a different right. approach, but that 29 still need that education, too. Right. Well, you know, when I, when I say, you know, the 1 versus the 29, I'm saying, you know, if you cannot figure out how to behave yourself to the point that we can function as a group then we will have to separate ties today. Okay. We will have to, you will have to go somewhere else so that the other 29 can learn something. If a kid doesn't get it, that's where my job gets interesting. That's where, that's that's how my job works. Um, differentiating. Um, and, and that's a, it's a huge word in education right now that's never been there before um, on on such a grand scale. Uh, you look at education 50 years ago and everybody's in a row and everybody gets the same thing. You look at education 15 years ago, everybody's in a row, everybody gets the same thing. But just in the last little while here, um, you have 30 kids, you have 30 different lessons basically. Wow. Is how can I change this, tweak it, up it, down it, lower it, water it down, sugarcoat it, three ring circus it, to get your child and that child and that child and these three kids here, how do I reach them all within that hour that I have them? And it is spinning plates as fast as possible, it is juggling as fast as possible, and doing everything you can and get the lesson out there and hopefully everybody learns it. See, and that's so different than what I probably was accustomed to when I was in school, you right. know? Here's the, here's the question, here's how you do the example, right. now figure it out, you right. know? And right. There was time, you know, I didn't do well in math. You know, mm -hmm. math was a, a thing I really struggled with. And, you know, I remember him writing out these equations and all this stuff. And, you know, you threw letters in my math. I, yeah. I don't know how to do this. And I, I seriously struggled. Um, but and it, I think we have to do the same thing. That, that's the interesting thing. And it's actually the more I do that at, at work, the more I find myself doing it as a parent. Because as parents, we, we, we should be meeting our kids where they are. You, and, and you think about that and you hear people say like, you know, well, you know, we had, I had five older brothers and everybody wanted me to be like Mark and Mark had to, you know, Mark had the good job and Mark went to the good school and I don't even know too many people named Mark, but it just, um, just using it as an example here. But every, you know, everybody was, had to look up, you know, yeah. and Mark might've been the oldest, he might've been the youngest, but Everybody was compared to that, that, that guy. Chasing the leader. Right. Yeah. And that idea of parenting is so old school. It infuriates, 
it disappoints, it shames, it guilts, um, ticks off the other four boys, the other four kids. And, and it's so disappointing. Um, I, have, I have an older sister and um, I did a lot better in school than she did. And she just would just want to live her life and get through school. Um, and I had some teachers that would, would use that approach. Like, oh, well, you're so much better than your sister. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not better than my sister. Yeah. I'm a different kid. And I think as a parent, we have to realize that. I have four distinct personalities at my house uh, when it comes to our kids. We have six with all of us. But we, I have to approach my wife, obviously, with a different tone and different attitude, a different manner than I approach my oldest. I have to approach her way different than my next and way different than the next and very different than the boy. And when I realized that in my classroom is when things have really got interesting. And um, it's one of the reasons why the Des Moines schools made me a demo classroom teacher. And people come in my classroom and watch me teach. It's a, it's a humbling experience. It's cool. But at the same time, it's like half the time I think I'm just winging it. So, and, and, so other teachers are coming and seeing how you are right, presenting right. to your class. Or I get videotaped and, and they're like, hey, we want you to do this particular way and, and show us how you did that. And uh, I have an amazing uh, special ed teacher, or what I call my co-teacher that's in class, who's a very strong Christian lady. Um, and God's just opened some very interesting doors um, in, in my life. And, uh, and I have a, a great, strong Christian wife at home. So I mean... I, I have this opportunity to see God at work both in the classroom and in my house. Um, and there have been times where, like I said, I'm standing there shaking my fist to heaven going, where are you, God? And, you know, and then a little while later, I realized that he's the one dragging me. Yeah. And, uh, and as stubborn as I want to be or I, as I have been, he's the one that's been there the whole time. It's me that's been off track. So now, you know, kind of meeting... You're talking about the different approaches, especially with your with your family. You know, your wife, and your kids. When you're when you're looking at your kids, what do those different approaches look like? Well, depending on the attitude, depending on the day, and as especially as the girls have gotten older and emotions and hormones and things changed, um, you know, I've got I've got one daughter that I love her to death, but I have to make sure that when it comes to criticism, it comes to critiquing. Everything's with kick gloves because it's going to come across as I'm yelling at her. I mean, no matter what I say, your hair looks nice, but did you brush your teeth? Oh my God, I can't believe dad just said that. You know, I can't believe he's talking to me like that. I'm like, what did I, what did I say? And just going through my head, going, what did I say wrong now? Yeah. And, and Rachel has been coaching me because like I said, I, I grew up with one sister and my mom and dad, it was a cookie cutter approach. This is what's gonna happen, this is what you're gonna do. And three little girls in the house, it's like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? How do I do this? And so approaching that conversation, there's another daughter I can say, I need this and I need it now, done. Another daughter is like, hey, you're so sweet, I love you so much, you're so cute today, you're so pretty, and butter her up <laughs> to get to the point of saying, have you cleaned your room yet? Because you know mommy's going to ask you when she gets home, you know you need to do that, let's have a good night, let's do this, let's do that. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But 
the older she gets, the less that works. But <laughs> I'll have to change my approach as I go. And with the boy, it just depends on the day. You know, some days it's like, hey, buddy, have you cleaned your room? No, I'll go do that. Most of the time it's like, seriously, just go do it now before I have to get upset. And sometimes it takes getting upset to get you know those things done. Um, have you read yet? You're, that's your daily thing. Have you read yet? No. Well, then come out and sit in the garage while I do some woodworking, and you can read, and I'll ask you what it was about. Well, I don't want to sit out there. Okay, fine. Sit on the couch. Turn the TV off. Get busy. Your sister will watch it. And it just just depends on the kid. Um, but you have to know your kids, and that takes time. That takes a run to McDonald's and a Happy Meal and sit down and talk to your kid. Um, that takes... Laying in, um, and I know my boy probably better than I know my girls, but um, because he wants me near him yeah. more than they do at the level they're at now. I mean, I don't lay next to my 15-year-old in her bed and read a bedtime story or watch silly YouTube cat videos or something, yeah. but I'll sit and goof off with him and do that. But uh, like this summer, finding finding what ticks, what, what makes them tick, um, the Pokemon craze um, hit our house pretty hard this summer. <laughs> and uh, my oldest, Hallie, um, she's 15, almost 16. She's beautiful. She's almost as tall as I am. Um, just very, very strong-willed. Um, and, and a lot of up-and-down roller coaster summer for her. A lot of changes going on going into high school. And, uh, but we, we played Pokemon religiously. No pun intended. Yeah. We, we, we went wherever she wanted to go. And if her, her buddy wanted to go with us, we went and picked him up and, and we went to the sculpture garden or we went to DMAC. What, we went and got some ice cream and then we went and played. Whatever I could do to spend that time with her, I was willing to do because in the back of my mind, as much as I don't want to admit it, I got like two years left. Yeah. And if I can get her to look back and going, that's what a dad does. That's what a husband does. Then I can up the ante or up our chances on her picking a good partner, yeah. picking you know, someone that's going to love her and love her family. And her because kids. at the end of the day, I'm sure that if you had your say in the times you spent, it probably wouldn't be wandering around the streets. I had fun playing for too. <laughs> I had fun playing too. Um, so and and I got I got just as into it as they did. And, but it gave gave us something to do. It gave us something to talk about. Yeah. Um, my son really was into it, and and I don't, I can't even tell you how many episodes of Pokemon we watched on Netflix that I just did not understand or care to watch. But we watched them. Yeah. Um, and we spent that time together, um, and because. You know, in Minecraft, I don't know how many times I've played Minecraft and I had no desire to play Minecraft. I'm 41 years old. I do not want to play. But he wants to play. And it's raining out and we can't go play baseball, so let's play Minecraft. Yeah. And suck it up, be a dad, and be in the moment. Um, I've caught myself and looking at my phone and saying, just give me a second, give me a second. That's the, the stuff that worries me he is going to remember. Because when I when I turn my kids away, that hurts. Yeah. And I remember the times growing up that my dad wasn't able to be there because he was working and it was an hour and a half drive home and we lived in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd go play catch with my dad, but he's not here. Yeah. And if my kid wants to do something, and unless there's a life-threatening thing going on, we're going to try to go do it. 
And, and I, I'm not perfect at that, and I mess up all the time. But as much as possible, hey, Dad, can we go to the park? Well, it's right in our backyard. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, Dad, can we go do this? Um, when got ice cream last night with, with my oldest, and uh, is it good for me? No, but I don't care. It was good for her. It was good for us. Yeah. And uh, it was worth it. We went to the store a while ago to, to look at stencils for some art project. I didn't want to go to Tuesday morning. I, I, the, score, the store scares me. I don't, I don't the, even understand what's store. in there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, she wanted to go. Yeah. And we didn't have anything better to do. So, yeah, let's go. You know, uh, you, you talk about the, the idea that what your kid's going to remember. And, you know, for me, as mine get older... You know, they know I fix houses. That's what they, you know, dad, yeah. dad's a worker. He fix houses. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, on a regular basis, dad, do you have to work tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Every, you know, I lay them down. Do you work tomorrow? Yeah, buddy, I work tomorrow. You know, and they're just devastated. And, yeah. you know, I'll go in the morning and it takes three hugs and mm-hmm. pounded on the door and waving to get me, you know, before I can finally get out to the car. <laughs> and it took me 20 minutes to leave. I appreciate that while it lasts. And now we're late. It's like, see ya, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but you, you know, there's days I feel so horrible when I leave just because, yeah, I'm worried that they're going to, you know, oh, Dad, he works all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't want him to think that, but on the same token, I have to do it, you know. I mean, we got to keep a roof over the head and we got to keep you fed, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and I'm not good with that balance. You yeah. know, I, I struggle badly with that, you know. And you'll find that balance, though, um, sooner than later, especially as they get, they do get older. Um we're not perfect with it either and there have been many a time where it's just like flip a coin you go this way and i go this way and call grandma because somebody else has got to be somewhere else we've had all four kids in four different events at the exact same time somebody's not being watched you know and somebody there's we're missing something yeah and those nights are horrible and 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 living in town this size um that's going to happen more and more as we get older as they get older um but at the same time, it is what it is. And our oldest two have realized that. Um, youngest two have yet to realize it, but they are as they get older too. That I only have one mom and one dad. Then this is, you know, they're doing the best they can. Yeah. Um, and we just have to pick and choose. Um, my parents live nine hours away. They're not able to be up here all the time and they're not able to see every chorus concert and basketball game and baseball game or whatever. So when they're here, appreciate that they're here and enjoy it while it lasts and then they're gone yeah um it's kind of like life you know appreciate the time that you have and when the time's up it's up and that's the thing that's been really hard for me to come to grips with is that i really only have two and a half years left with my oldest before she's 18 and ready to move on head off to college or whatever whatever she decides to do right but at the same time i mean you know that's that's two more summers. That's, that's, you know, two more spring breaks. That's, t- you know, and you're like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And just try, and, but I can't live in that panic. We were I'm talking earlier before we got on here about waiting upon the Lord. You know, um, the message at church a couple of weeks ago was about Nehemiah. And, and Nehemiah's like, God, what are we going to do? Our enemies are, you know, at our throats. What are we going to do? And, you know, just keep working, you know, carry your sword with you, but keep working. If they show up, then defend yourself. Otherwise, do your job. And that's something that that as a parent, I've I've 
cringe um, at, at when I'm teaching and I hear, talk about conferences, I hear a parent say, you know what, I've done the best I can, they're 13, they're gonna have to figure this out. I'm like, no. 13 year old kids aren't equipped for that. Yeah. You can't do that, we can't make that choice. And it's hard to have that conversation with someone else. Um, it's hard to have that conversation when they're 18. Well, they're 18, they can do it. No, it, it, that goes back to what earlier statement about just because you made mistakes, don't let your kids make those mistakes too. Yeah. At least try to put your foot down. Um, and I remember the you know, big, big mistake I made in my life, life in the past, and my parents were like, "Well, would you have listened?" I don't know, but you could have at least told me yeah. that you saw something coming my way. You know, it could at least give me a heads up. You're heading towards the cliff. You don't want to go right, off. Right, right. You know, like, well, would you have listened anyway? Maybe there is a fraction of a chance that I would have listened and not made that choice. Yeah. But if you sat quietly and watched, I'm going to fail every time. Yeah. So you've got to be willing to, to step in and be my parent and say, this is wrong. We need to fix it. Yeah. Or... Whatever, whatever it takes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know, you know, you're talking about spending that quality time with your with your kids and and meeting them where they're at. I think one of the neat things that that I've seen recently, and I think you're doing it with your kids, um, but it's the crafts that you guys have been making. Yeah. And I've seen pictures of them on on Facebook and online, and and uh, you know, seasonal things. I think the last one that I seen had. Uh, like a big Iowa, what it said Iowa had this shape of the state. With it says the home, and, and home, instead of a, it instead of an O, it's a, it's the shape of Iowa. There you go. And then we just color it based on the three state schools. See, I only looked so, at it, you know, yeah. three hours ago. So, so it says I, home, I and it, yeah, it says home on it, and then we we just changed it and made made the state of Iowa. But you can do the state of Arkansas or whatever you want in it, uh, wherever there's an O. Um, so how did you guys get into that? Um, actually, my oldest, um, when we moved this summer, we bought a new house, or new to us house in July and moved in July. And um, that was a trigger for her. Um, and and we didn't realize it. We, we always knew she had been very, very shy. Um, but social with family and really close friends. But otherwise, you know, really just one real friend all the way through elementary school and junior high. Um, not a lot of not a lot of social mobility. Um, didn't want to be, and we were fine with that. But uh, when we moved this summer, something triggered uh, um, something deep inside of her with her anxiety. And as much as we tell her not to worry about things, when something like that snaps in you, it doesn't matter what they say, what people say. And it happened at the same time that she was going to Kansas City with her mom and, and the youth, 8-9 youth group. Um, and that whole trip was a disaster for her, for her mom, for the kids that had to hang out with her and just her physical reaction and mental reactions to just everything. Um, and Rachel was just an emotional wreck the whole weekend, so was, so was Hallie. And we didn't know what was going on. And it took, took a trip to the hospital, talking with psychiatrists and counselors and therapists. And, and it took weeks of waiting for results and tests and all kinds of different conversations to finally get diagnosed with something that I suspected when it first happened was that she had um, social anxiety. And uh, what it came back was that she has severe social anxiety. And that is as a result of that, that self-talk and, and that she's worried about 
what other people are seeing when they're looking at her. And as a parent, immediately internalize it and say, what did I do wrong? What did we do wrong? Um, and, and what did we say to her to give her that self-talk? Because if you, you do your reading, you do your research, you'll find that a, a huge percentage of what our self-talk is is how we were talked to as a child. So if you abuse your kids verbally, they're going to grow up and speak extremely negatively to themselves. It's just a proven fact. And it makes sense. You kick a dog long enough, sooner or later, they're going to cower and run away from you all the time. They're going to be scared of you. Well, if you do the same thing mentally to your kids, bad things are going to happen. Well, we never abused our children, but at the same time, we held her to a pretty high standard. And when she failed, she was so hard on herself about it that she got very paranoid about how other people would react, how we would react. Um, and we weren't expecting perfection. We told her that all the time. But it's kind of like I tell kids at school, if you're an A student, then be an A student. If you're a B student, then be the best B student you can be. Yeah. But don't be an F. Don't be a D. I know, um, I know one of the things in our house, um, you know, I, I've talked to the kids, and I remember one time I was telling them, well, you know, I can't remember. Maybe it was clean your room or do something because it's going to make mom real happy. Right. And I never thought about this. And, and I stepped off in the kitchen with her and she was like, don't tell the kids that. And I was like, why? It's going to make you happy. She's like, because I don't want the kids to think that my happiness stems on, stems that, yeah, on yeah. what their yeah. actions are. Yep. And I never thought about it like that. You yep. know, and, and it really kind of clicked for me. And so I try not to do that. So with, with that revelation of, of, of her, her needs, um, it led us to a different direction of thinking, okay, how do we take this almost 16-year-old and how do we help her get her job? How is she going to function, you know, if she were sacking groceries or if she's working someplace retail, because that's usually where you're going to get hired as a 15, 16-year-old. How do we help her find something? She wants her car. She wants to pay for expenses. She wants this. She wants that. And we're not just going to shovel it out yeah. on our own. First of all, we can't really afford to do that You know, every for four kids. How are we going to do this so that she has some skin in the game and yet meet her needs? And so just praying about it, praying about it, praying about it. And again, waiting upon the God, but still moving forward. And uh, when we moved, we had a lot more space in our garage and had like, like a little workshop that was already there um, and the workbench and everything ready to go. And I didn't have a lot of the tools, but I had some tools. And I managed to um, take an old pallet that I saw this idea that I couldn't get it out of my head. It was like burned in my head. I couldn't I would go to sleep at night and I thought I saw this picture in my head. I woke up in the morning and I saw this picture in my head. And I stopped at... Um, Ankeny Sanitation, who picks up our garbage. And I said, do you have any broken pallets? I, I just, I need one. And she was like, yeah, I think we have one. And I went out and saw what she had. It actually fit in the back of my car, which I couldn't believe. I have an Impala, but you know, it's, it's, it fits my golf clubs, but I didn't think it would fit a broken pallet. And uh, it was just one side of the pallet. It squeezed right in to the trunk, took it home, washed it off, um, ripped it apart. And, and, and made this little reversible snowman and scarecrow wood figure, figurine woodcraft thing. And uh, I made it for Rachel, was real secretive about it with, with the kids. I'm like, hey, this, if this works, great, we'll tell mom. But if it doesn't work, don't tell mom because I don't want to look like an idiot here because you know, she doesn't think I'm that handy as it is. So, and I'm not very handy. 
didn't grow up handy at all. And uh, so I made it, painted it and everything, and stained it, and and it actually turned out actually the probably the best one I've done. And uh, and I took a picture of it and I went to bed. It was a Tuesday night, I remember, and uh, it was about a month and a half ago. And I said, uh, "Do you like this?" And I showed her a picture, and she was like, "That is really cool. Where where's that? You know, she thought it was from Facebook or something." And I said, "That's what I was working on in the garage. It's for you." And she's like, you made that. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, seriously? And I'm like, yeah. And so that same week, Hallie comes to me and she goes, Dad, are you going to sell that? I said, no, I made it for your mom. She goes, would you make more? I'm like, I, I said, yeah, probably. If we could find the pallets and stuff, we could make more. Why? And she's like, what if we sold them? I'm like, well, what if? You know? And she's, I said, why? And she's like, because I could help you and you could pay me. And it was in that moment that I realized her, that was her way of asking me for a job. Yeah. It was in that moment I realized what I was waiting for from God was coming through my own child's voice in saying, I can't handle society right now. I can't handle a regular job right now. I can't handle people looking at me and questioning me and seeing this tall, skinny girl carrying their groceries or messing with this or messing with that. And it was her way of saying, help me. And it was God's way of saying, here's your answer. And I said, okay, let's see what we can do. And we were looking for a car, we were looking for something to help her because we just knew she was gonna need to do something. And, and so we asked around, found a couple people that could help us out, called one of my neighbors who has a truck and he was like, sure, why not, let's go get some. And we drove out to this place that had some old pallets, loaded up his truck with him, brought him back to the house. And it was a, it was a Sunday afternoon, and Rachel pulls in the, the driveway, and she gets out of the car, and she's just livid. Why does our house look like a junkyard? What's all this mess out front? Just freaking out. And I'm like, I'm going to make some more of those things I made for you. And then what are you going to do with them? I said, I'm going to sell them. And she was like, why? Because Hallie wants it. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I finally had a chance to tell her. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what we're going to do. And she was like, you're serious. I'm like, I'm dead serious. I've never been more serious about anything in my life. We're going to do this. Yeah. And uh, broke them all apart, got them all cut up. Um, but I had asked my dad earlier in the summer to say, hey, when you come up in August, would you? can I borrow your saw? I, I'm just been tinkering in the wood work, in the, my workshop, and, and I don't have a saw. Can I borrow your saw? He's like, yeah, I'm not using it right now anyway. Why do you need it? I'm like, I don't know. Well, to come to find out, I needed it for this. And then I uh, was talking with my neighbor after I made the very first woodcraft and uh, go to church with him, and he lives a few houses down. And, and I, he goes, did you make that thing on your front porch? And I said, yeah, I made it for my wife the other day. He goes, that's really good. How did you cut all those boards apart? I'm like, oh, I have an electric saw. He goes, you're going to cut your arm off. Don't do that. <laughs> he goes, you need a chop saw. I'm like, I don't even know what a chop saw is, man. He goes, it's called a miter saw. I'm like, oh, you know, you pull it down. Yeah. He goes, I've got one for you. And I'm like, no, I, I don't, I'm not going to buy it from you. I don't have the money, you know, to do that. I'm not going to do that. And he goes, no, no, I have one. Come on inside. And went inside, and his wife was home, said hi, and and uh, went down in his basement and he had a big table saw and a couple other things and obviously he's pretty good at working with his hands and he goes over in the corner and pulls this dirty old miter saw out takes it upstairs gets his uh 
compressor out and, and air gets the air on, blows it out, blows all the cobwebs out. It looks basically brand new. Wow. And he goes, it's yours. And it's like, no, seriously. He goes, no, no, no. Just consider it a favor, man. Just take it. And he didn't need it anymore. And he said, just take it. And he said, you might want to put a new blade on it, but for what you need to do, it'll cut for years to come probably. And uh, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't thank you enough. I can't repay you. This is amazing. And he goes, I don't want you to repay me. Just take it. It's just one less thing I need in my house. And I remember carrying it down the street and people are driving by looking at me like, did he just steal that? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, this sucker's heavy. I'm trying to get it down the street. And then another, another neighbor came over and was like, hey, uh, by the way, you know, I've got this, this old jigsaw that you can use and, and, and pulls it out of his garage and it's covered in dust. He hasn't used it in 10 years and he had no use for it right now. And he's, by the way, here's a can of stain and here's this and here's that. And the next neighbor was like, hey, did you, you know, have these, uh, you know, these, these grips over here, these um, vice grip things, and and, uh, and I'm not using them at all. You know, would you need those? You know, what you're doing? I'm like, how do you know what I'm doing? I'm like, well, the whole neighborhood knows what you're doing. And I'm like, that's crazy. And it's just, it was one thing after another. And uh, we so we started making the snowmen on one side and the uh, and the scarecrows on the other. And, and I told Hal, I said, you know, sooner or later we're going to have to come up with a different idea because this isn't going to last us. And she's on her phone for like 30 seconds and she comes back and shows me a picture and she's like Santa on one side and a turkey on the other and then an Easter bunny on one side and a leprechaun on the other. And just these general ideas, they weren't anybody's you know proprietary right kind of thing. Lots of people make them kind of thing. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And then we just started putting it on Facebook that we made them and people were like, we want one, we want one. And just at first it was just family and then it was friends and now it's strangers. And that was just a month ago that we started doing that. That's amazing. And made it public that, you know, hey, we're doing this. And we were just doing it as a hobby. And in that month, we've had so many requests and we've and we've had so many different new things, new ideas um, that have come to us from other people. Like, hey, if you can make this, I'll buy it. I'm like, All right, I'll give it a shot. We'll figure out we'll how to make it. We'll figure out how to make it. And sure enough, and... Uh, I had this idea about the the sign that said home with the with the state and I had never seen it before and I'm like well, it's kind of a original idea maybe and so I made one and uh, and I put it on Facebook and people were like I want one and I had uh, a teacher I used to work with like I want one now with Bondurant blue and white and I will pick it up tomorrow and I'm like okay place an order so I make it and it's done and and it's just been eye-opening for for Hallie yeah, to see God her? work and we've yeah. been talking about tithing and um, and how we how we give a portion of that back to the church and back to God and um, she has been directly involved in almost everything that we've made um, sometimes school gets a little bit too much for her and, and she's got things going on so I'll just keep working in the garage but she'll um, she'll help me paint and stain um, and then uh, she helps me I've taught her how to use the sander so she can use the, the orbital sander sand the boards and, and sand things down, get the splinters out. Um, she was just showing me today. She's like, I got a splinter in my finger. I'm like, that's part of it, you know. <laughs> Your mom will help you dig it out. It's you money know? making. Yeah, that's that's the that's the cost of making money. And uh, we've I've introduced her to to several people that we have some of our stuff in their shops you know, around town. Um, and today. Um, was she and her mom were at the were at the bank and 
Um, I called the bank to talk to one of the personal bankers about opening a business account. Like, I think we're, we're getting there. And she comes home. She's like, were you on the phone with somebody at the bank? And I'm like, why? Yeah. And she was like, we were there. We could hear the conversation. He was talking loud. And we could tell that through the conversation that you were talking about us. And, and it was just real funny that, that, that God worked in that way, that, that, um, that they heard that and that my wife came home. And, and just the, the 180 that she's had about supporting like you know this this crazy idea gone from the junk that's right, in the front right, yard to now to, and then our neighbors um, my next door neighbor has oh, we have a nice house but it's nothing compared to my next door neighbors and it's just insane how rigid he is with his um, property and how how just crystal clean it is just amazing and uh, he comes over a couple weeks ago and just I'm just out in the garage working and he's like, hey, do you have one of those signs that your daughter helped you make? And I said, yeah, it says Cyclones on it. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I know it's not, you know, NCAA rules and everything, but, you know, you just, just says Cyclones on it in red and gold. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I'll buy it. And I'm like, I didn't ask you to. You're not expected to just because you're a neighbor. He goes, no, no, I want it. And I thought he was buying it for someone else. And Hallie comes home later that day and she goes, did you know the neighbor put my sign on the side of his house? I'm like, you mean leaned it against his house? She goes, no, Dad. He nailed it to his house. I was in tears. Wow. That, that somebody, that this, I mean, I really respect the guy. He's a really good guy. But his house is just pristine. Just, just amazing, clean, amazing, nice house. And he took my daughter's son and, and was willing to nail it to his house. That's neat. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. And every time she walks out, and she every to see time. It. She leaves and comes home. She drives by his house, and there it is on his back deck. And it's just a constant reminder that people like what she did. And, and we go over to several different people's houses, and there's her stuff. And one of her teachers ordered something through me, but she contacted me and said, I hear Hallie's doing this with because she follows me on Facebook because we're teacher, teacher buddies kind of thing. And she goes, I want to order one, but you know, we don't have to be too public about it, but I want to order one and you can deliver it. So she sends me her address and <laughs> Sunday morning, um, we dropped it off uh, after church and they were home. They were at church too, a different church. And I had Hallie pose with it, took her picture and sent it to the teacher. And she was like, I'm so excited. This is awesome. But just to see how happy she is doing that and seeing that, it, that it's an income in seeing this, a chance to tithe and learn how that works, um, how to save, um, and to have to have a, an outlet. How is it working with her anxiety? Do you notice anything? I mean, now she's actually has to. I mean, she's taking a picture with them. She's talking to people. She's doing these things. Yep. Is it opened her up a little bit to that? Oh idea? yeah, we've we've seen a huge change in God's judge has been really. It's it was a it was a we we thought. At one point, we thought it was going to be a knockout blow. I, I could be honest. I just felt this is the knockout blow. This is the thing that tears our family apart. And it wasn't her fault. It wasn't Rachel's fault. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't anybody else. It was, but it was, this is the chaos that is going to tear our family apart. And for about six weeks, I was certain this was, this is it. We're done. This, our family is done. Because it just was so overwhelming. Um, with everything that, that went on. And um, to see the change 
that godly therapists and and uh, and, and and medication and and things that she had needed for a long time that we just didn't see. Um, when she was little, she got an ear infection, and we didn't know it because she had tubes in her ear. And when we took her into the pediatrician, she's like, "Oh yeah, she still has her tubes. Everything will be fine." Well, little did they know that the the tubes in her ear were blocking the infection and they didn't see it. And that turned into something life-threatening. Um, the infection got all in her body and she had to go in and get a pick line through her arm all the way to her heart so the medicine would, would, would take care of her better. And we're sitting there as parents with a, you know, a toddler and she's not even quite three yet. And, and watching the monitor as they're putting this pick line into your child's heart over an ear infection that, that you just missed. It should have been routine. Right, yeah. that you just, you're like, wait a second, what kind of parents are we going to be? And then your 15-year-old is, is in a situation where she physically and mentally can't handle herself. And you're like, what do we do? What did we do wrong? And then you're look, people are looking at you and people you know and family members and they're trying to be supportive, but you can just see, like, seriously, how bad did you screw up as parents? And then to just have that, to be still and, and to calm down and to reflect on it and say, it's not that we're failing. This is just the season we're in. This is something that's been there for a long time that we just didn't see. Yeah. And just like when she was little, she got better with God's help, with medicine's help, with God's help through medicine, she's significantly better just in the last couple of months. But just in the last month since we've been doing this, it's been amazing. I've spent more time with my daughter in the last four weeks than probably the last four years. Wow. Just because she wants to be there. She wants to get this done. She, It's it's the motivation that she wants. Yeah, there's money there, but it's not so much that a love of money that's motivating her. It's that she needs tires for the new car that we got her. And, you know, and we got her an old beat up pickup truck, but it was the perfect car for her, of her personality, for what she needed. And lo and behold, we have a business where we need pallets and wood. And, you got and now we have a truck. Yeah. And God just opened that door because I looked at her and I said, there is no way in the world that we're gonna have to have the cash flow right now with moving and spending everything we had to move to get the house we moved. There's no way we're buying you a car before the end of the year. It's not gonna happen. The only way that would happen is if somebody we know is willing to make us a deal on an old beat up car that still runs well. We're sitting at the table having dinner one night. Rachel wasn't home yet, she was working late at the hospital and Hallie just starts screaming at the table, and I'm like, oh, here we go. I just thought, okay, this is going to be another one of those nights. And I'm like, what is your problem? And she was like, so-and-so has this their old truck for sale. And I'm like, seriously, Hallie, let it go. We don't have time for this conversation. I want to enjoy my meal. Just stop. She's like, no, 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 it's only like $2,500. I'm like, Hallie, that's $2,500 more than I have right now. I don't, can't do this. Stop. But in the back of my head, I'm like, that's exactly what I'm thinking, you know, yeah. and they're right in my price range. 
but I didn't want to have that conversation at that moment. I hadn't talked to Rachel, hadn't prayed about it, hadn't talked about it. And uh, so I, um, when I um, text my, um, my in-laws and said, hey, can you get me their number, the family friend thing? And they text me right back, yeah, here it is. Text them, can we talk, can I call you? And I uh, had to go run an errand anyway and uh, actually delivering Grievous and Woodcrafts and uh, and on the way over, I call them and they're like, "Look, I know you probably got some phone calls, but like, no, actually, you're we, you're the first call." I'm like, "No, seriously." And he's like, "Yeah," and uh, I'm like, "We don't twenty five hundred dollars sounds a lot for for the what you are asking." And he goes, "Oh, I'd take less. What's your offer?" I'm like, "Would would you take fifteen hundred? Because that would be right in my wheelhouse." He's like, "Yeah, come on over and we'll take a look at it. and We'll talk." <laughs> Went over, looked at it, didn't even look at all of it, didn't even drive it. I'm like, does it run? Yeah, it runs fine. 1500 Yep, shake hands, done. Like, let's do this. We'll pick it up this weekend. That wouldn't happen if I didn't believe that, that it was possible for it to happen. Yeah. Because that's what he wanted us to have. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's just, she can't have more than one person in the car other than her sister anyway. It's a two-seater. Yeah. It's her and her sister. That's, that's it. Um, and when the weather's too bad, she'll probably drive my car and I'll have that. But I mean, we needed a truck to do this business. Now we have a truck. We don't have to borrow anybody else. She needs a vehicle. We have a vehicle. I mean, like almost to the penny, that's what we had set aside after, you know, all the things came through with the, with the house and the payments and all those different things over the summer and just starting to refill the pot, so to speak, Yeah. after the down payment and the house payment stuff. And then to have that exact amount come out, it's like, okay, this is a God thing. Yeah. And uh, it's it's been really cool. So yeah, we we are officially Evans Family Woodworking. Nice. Um, so we did we did the whole sole proprietorship thing and went and met with the, the bank today and filled out all the paperwork for that and started our account there. And so got our Instagram account up and running. And, and got, have so many people yep, some, liking to know yep, them. Yep, yep. So we'll, we'll be doing some uh, Facebook things here in a little while. And um, I have all four kids involved. Uh, and like I said, Rachel did the whole 180, went from what is this junk in our, our yard to can you make this? Can you make this? Can you make this? And so-and-so wants this and so-and-so wants that. Um, and it's just, it's not like, you know, it's not going to be, at the moment, it's not going to be worth quitting my job yeah, over. Not retiring yet. Right, right. But my dream has been that someday I would be able to, to settle down in the middle of nowhere. And um, my family has some property. My grandparents had some property. Um, that it's always been my dream to go out, clear the old homestead out, put put a nice trailer on it, or just build a nice little, just comfortable place um, and just be myself and just be there. Um, in a place where I grew up and, and just get away from the city and get away from the craziness of life and just be us. Yeah. And um, in, in, in my heart, I'm like, okay, maybe, this maybe. Is one step that direction. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is something to do. Um, it, we're tiny and we just got started, but uh, you, know, you never know. Everything starts with a dream. Yeah, you know I mean, everything's absolutely. To, you know, and and for right now, it's it's supplementing my daughter's need for she paid for her own gas last night, and I'm like, this is awesome, you know, <laughs> it's just you know, here's my money, let's go get gas. I'm like, okay, let's go. I'll help you do that, and um, you know, she needs 
she, uh, her retainer broke and she needed a new retainer. And like, well, it was kind of your fault that it broke. You know, you're the one that misplaced it for how many months. And so her mom's like, this, this is your, this is on you. This is, this is your fault for doing this. This is a life lesson on you. You're old enough now to know that. And I was telling someone else about it. Like, you're going to make your kid pay for their replacement. I'm like, yeah. This is how life works, and this yeah. is a lesson we want her to learn. This is a very valuable lesson we want her to learn. But if we weren't doing this, she wouldn't have that income to, to do that. And so it hurt, and she didn't like it, but it won't ever happen again. I'm sure. Yeah. And she had the money to do that. And so it's been a blessing. So, yeah, we're, we're moving that way and, and hoping that more and more people, people we don't know that are interested in... in in supporting us, we'll check out Evans Family Woodworking. I was just, I was shocked that the name wasn't out there. We uh, even sat and and uh, the the banker did the run on the name and and made sure it wasn't out there. And sure enough, it wasn't. And it's truly a family thing now. And um, we've had a lot of things that kept our family busy. And Hannah's a dancer, and 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 Hope is in chorus and band, and Hallie. Um, has done this, that, and the other with basketball, and, and Hudson just does whatever Hudson wants to do. But uh, we haven't had anything that has brought us together like this in a long time. So the so. the thing that you thought was tearing apart your family is the thing that actually is bringing everybody together. Oh, absolutely, that's it's amazing. Been, I mean, just that and how everything lines up, you know, and God's plan is just amazing. Sometimes how it all it all comes together. So. Um, so the thing that you was worried about tearing apart is brought together. If somebody wants to see what you're doing, maybe purchase a piece from you, you got an Instagram page. Is there anything else that, how can somebody find well, you? Well, what, what, uh, this way? well it, it's, my name is actually Nathan Evans. I go by Nate more often than not. My wife and my mother-in-law call me Nathan, but everybody else in my life calls me Nate. Um, a judge or a police officer might call me Nathan, but if if that happened, but um, but uh, it's Nathan Evans on Facebook, and um, but uh, Evans Wood Family Woodworking will be up and running here in the next day or two on Facebook, and then um, and like I said, we're on um, Instagram as well. You can contact us and follow us there and see some of the things that we're doing. Um, all of my kids are involved in one way or another. Um, Perfect. And uh, it's it's most of it is it my idea or stolen ideas from <laughs> borrowed is what we keep telling the girls. It's borrowed. Can you do this, Dad? Sure. Let's see what happens. And we're trying very careful to to not make things that are obvious. Obviously, someone's sole proprietorship. This is their Somebody's copyrighted thing. property. Right. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to woodcrafting, it seems like everybody's just borrowing everybody else's ideas as as it is. But. Um, we are moving forward as quickly as we can, and um, and yeah, people can check us out on Facebook, and um, and then or or contact us. We got Prairie Ridge. We have a lot of friends and family and and uh, and, and and family of God that we get, we know there as well, and um, we're always always open to business and always open to to just support our kids, and uh, it's a unique way for them to be able to see. Um, God working in our life and also to see how money works, how life works. And uh, when your eight-year-old is like, I did this and you paid me, and there's a, a huge valuable lesson. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's, it's outside of the realm of chores and, and expectations again, but at the same time, it's entrepreneurial you shit. did something right. 
I did something, I'd put in my work, a hard day's work, or, or an hour you know, with him, it's usually 30 minutes at a time, if I'm lucky. But you know, when you're eight year old standing on one end of a pallet and helping you break the other end of it, or we, uh, we broke our, our pallet breaking tool that we had, uh, we shattered it the other day. And instead of getting mad about it, it was just funny. And, and <laughs> it was, you know, your eight year olds out there on the, on the yard just laughing at you, laughing at himself. And we broke something, but we had the money to replace it. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't something like, oh my gosh, this is the end of our it's life. It's becoming self sustaining. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we're, we're excited to do that, and we're excited that people um, are interested in, in seeing our work and, and, and supporting us in that. So. That's amazing, man. Well, I think uh, probably start wrapping this thing up. I'm sure it's getting late, and I'm sure you got places to be. So Yeah, yeah. I really it's appreciate you coming by and taking the time with us. And, yeah, no, uh, I appreciate the invite, and, and it's good to, to see where God took this conversation. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, you can always check out Evans Family Woodworking on the Facebook page. And then you can always hit our Facebook page as well, the Guy Watch Podcast. Go ahead and uh, check it out this week. Leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about the show. And also, remember, you can find us at uh, GodWatchLive.com and uh, stay up to date on all the stuff that we have going. Have a great week. Be blessed. <laughs>